I've had the, uh, my wife and I have had the privilege of just beginning to get to know Howard and Karen over the past few months. First met them, I think it was here at the, at the district, what do we call it, conference. And uh, met them there and just, it's just been a privilege to get to know both of them. And I'm excited about what God is doing through them nationally, but also around this area as well. And uh, what I'd like to do when... As we finish the service, before we you know, do our last song, I'd like, I'd like us to get together and stand and pray over them because they have an incredible ministry across Canada. So that's something we can all engage with. But uh, right now, I'm going to hand over to Howard and Karen. Hi, my name is Karen. I come from Gift Lake, Alberta, um, and I'm Métis. And the term that we have for, um, uh, for my people, the Métis, is the people who own their own lives. Uh, if you know a little bit about Métis history, uh, the Métis people were a mixed blood. They uh, were part First Nations and uh, some European descent. My heritage comes from the Scottish. Uh, but, uh, they were not wanted by the indigenous people, and they were not wanted by the white people, too. And so um, uh, they were called road allowance people. And uh, so the term that we've given ourselves is the people who own their own lives, and we've had to make life happen for ourselves. Um, I just want to share briefly about uh, a story that uh, uh, came to me um, I was speaking, um, I was going to speak on identity issues in one of the communities in, in northern Manitoba and, and there was a crisis that was happening in that community and it was a, a suicide crisis and I was almost like in a panic and the conference was planned way before this happened and I just kept asking the Lord like what can I say, what do I say? And. Uh, the, 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 the passage that always comes to my mind is uh, Psalm 139. And the verse that always speaks to me is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And um, it took a very long time for me to believe that for myself. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the color of my skin. I didn't like the color of my hair. I didn't like the accent that I spoke with. And yet this is who God made me. And some of the issues that, like racism being made fun of uh, in school, in a lot of places, that, that kind of confirmed some of the lies I learned to believe. So I was praying and asking God to, to help me understand or to know what to speak of um, at this conference. And the one morning I woke up like 6 o'clock in the morning, just like wide awake. And just like, you know, how you, I'm, I don't have to get up early, so I'm going to go back to bed. But it wouldn't leave me. And the first thought that came to my mind was belly button. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like yeah, right, Lord, you know, like kind huh. of trying to go back to sleep, but it wouldn't leave me. So I finally got up and I pulled my laptop out and I started to Google belly button. And man, it was just amazing the stuff that came up. Uh, about the belly button. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about our people. 
and the connection was just amazing. It just really, uh, so I, I kind of uh, studied it a little bit more and, um, and, and I remember my mom saying to me when my kids were born, we have two children, a boy and a girl, and, and um, when, you know, when the umbilical cord, that little piece that stays on them for a while, she said, don't you lose that, she said to me, right? And uh, I don't know where they are today, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what she said. She said that was something that you're supposed to keep. And, um, and then I started thinking about this, and uh, there were times when I would come home and I was in high school, or every time I was away from my family for a long period of time, I would come home to my mom's, and I would just dig everywhere, pull drawers out, look, and she'd say to me, Koin Dunaman Kitsi? She would say to me, what are you looking for, your belly button? That's what she would say to me all the time. And um, when I started thinking about this whole thing of, of uh, who you're connected to, the family you're connected to, the community you're connected to, the land that you're connected to, it all came down to this whole idea of belly button. And when I say nitsi kasun, that word nitsi, it means my belly button. So when I say nitsi kasun, Karen, I'm saying my belly button name is Karen. And so it really, it really started to make sense to me why God was saying this to me, you know, like think about the belly button. Because it's important who you're connected to, who you belong to, and the, the community you come from, and the land that you belong to. And in, in, in some of the communities, in, in the northern communities, when the women came down to um, uh, one of the hospitals in, in the cities or in the towns, they would always bring a birthing pail with them. And they would bring back the afterbirth. They would take it back to their community and they would find a place to bury it because it was significant to them to say to their child, this is where you belong, this is where you come from, this will always be your home. Mm. And for me, figuring out who I was as a, this indigenous uh, Métis woman who speaks Cree, who lives and loves living on the land where my people have always been. It took a long time, it was in my 40s when I started to realize, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. And a lot of my people still today don't believe that. They still live with um, this identity crisis. And so the story of the belly button, and it's, it's true for all of us, not just us and the indigenous people. It's true for all of us. It's important to know who you belong to. You're connected to your family, your community, and, and the land where you grew up. And it really, it really speaks of how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. And God had a purpose and a plan for that. And so when you think of, even for yourself, who you belong to, where you belong to that, who you, where you belong, it's important for all of us to know that and to understand that because that's how fearful and wonderfully God made each one of us. So when you think of my people, pray for us 
we have um, uh, a huge identity crisis that's happening with our people. They don't know who they are, where they belong. There are so many that are displaced. And so just remember uh, us as, as you pray, that you would pray for, for a healing to come to our people. And that we would begin to see who we are in God and why God made us the way we are because he has made each one of us very significant and very important. And so uh, remember to pray for us. Thank you, God bless. <laughs> <clears throat> My guitar on? Or? Might need some help here. <laughs> Got it? Yeah, okay. I can hear my voice loud, but I can't hear my guitar. So, trust this song. Your pastor asked me to sing a song in my language, so I, I thought I would sing it since he's buying lunch. <laughs> That's good. about uh, that all uh, creation rise up and worship God, all the hosts of heaven, because of his amazing love, that he would come down and give his life for us. Jesus <laughs> Utaski Mamaskat Delita Wan Jesus Isagi Ishpi Meke Kyoto De Wibimaji Yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me the Bible tells me so the Bible tells me so you know um I want to thank you for inviting me to come and share with you a bit, me and my wife. And uh, you put us up pretty good. Uh, we stayed at the Best Western there. And they said everything was on the church, so we 
bought really good meals too. <laughs> so we want to pray that the Lord will bless you in the way that you've blessed us. And so um, in our time together in the Word, um, I, I want to share some things that are kind of hard to talk about a bit with you. My wife shared a bit already of things that are very uh, in her heart, you know, about her identity and also to even for myself with my identity too. Um, I came through um, Regina coming home one time and I knew that the Kausas Reserve was really close on the highway to where, where I was traveling through, so I decided to go there and stop. That's where um, there's uh, 751 unmarked graves on, on the Cobell Valley there. So I went there, and it's really huge, the, the area where the graves are. And, um, you know, there's little flags there, and little bears and little shoes all over, you know, marking uh, where the children's uh, unmarked graves are. Um, and so I felt compelled to just speak, you know, speak into creation, and even speak to the children as if they were there. And uh, my words were... Uh, I really want to honor you in how I live out my life. And so, you know, I'm, I went to residential school as a little boy, and so I, you know, I've been impacted by, by the residential school system, and I want to talk about that with you a little bit too. Um, <clears throat> but uh, from there I was, I, I decided to write a song about it, about uh, that experience. And so I, I, I wrote the song about the children, uh, like their voices, you know, uh, crying out from the ground. And, uh, you know, I wrote the, kind of their story, how they must have felt and, and how hard it must have been for them. And then um, I didn't know how to close the song. And then uh, I was drawn to the passage in, in the Old Testament uh, in Genesis where uh, God says to Cain, you know, what have you done, you know? and um, you know, where's your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper to the Lord? And then the Lord says, uh, the, the blood of your brother cries out from the ground to me. And I thought of these children's voices, you know, crying out from the ground. And then, uh, then I was drawn to the passage in Hebrews where um, it speaks of the blood of Christ. It, it says that it speaks of a better way than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out for vengeance, uh, for justice, and, and, and it's true that it's, that it's needed. But the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. And I feel like that's what's going to change the world. You know, when we, when we live life according to the principles of Christ, and mercy really involves uh, forgiveness and, and coming together. So this is, this is a song that I wrote about the unmarked graves. I'm glad my wife is here because I always look at her and see if everything's okay. And everything's okay, so I'm good. <laughs> kind of like a... I hear voices crying from 
children refusing to rest. They won't rest till their story has been told. Till their story has been heard. Mark the place where my body has been laid with a stone inscribed with my name. I died so far away from my home, broken hearted, afraid, and alone. Tell my story, O oh keeper of my soul. In my story, make mercy's river flow. Vengeance for my blood has been paid on the cross. Through the lamb that was slain. I hear voices crying from the ground. Thank you. But, uh, I wanted to share some thoughts with you from the Word. Um, I guess one of the things I want to say about uh, you know, reconciliation, my, I entitled my, my sermon uh, Reconciliation Power, <laughs> The Power of Reconciliation. Um, one of the things that's really important, I think, for us to see, and I was, I was just reading a book by my friend, uh, Ray Aldred, he talks about that uh, uh, really like we're all people that, that um, 
share this land. And if you've come from outside and, and come to dwell here and making this your home, then, then you share in the story of the land. And so, and a part of the story of the land is our history. And it's so important for us to process our history in a way that is honoring of the land or honoring of God. And so, so thank you for having me come to talk about the land a bit, about reconciliation, about, about our people. I was just, you know, I was just keep getting impacted by my wife's story, you know, being just living on the road allowance, you know, on the side of, and not being welcomed on both sides. It's a powerful story too. And, uh, and, a, and a huge thing in, uh, in reconciliation is just to feel the story of the other person. You know, and so when I share, when we share our story, uh, we, we want you to feel our story. But also, too, uh, we, we want you to work from there in doing reconciliation. And there's so much in, with that that's connected to building a relationship. Uh, just uh, that you would know me as Howard, and that you would know my story, and that I would know you or your name, too, and that I, I would learn your story about your life, too. And, and, and there's so much connected to that. And so, so those, those are things that are huge when, when we're talking about uh, reconciliation. Um, you know, I just, I've been, just been so impacted by having gone to residential school. And uh, even in my adult life, I look back and, and I see how uh, uh, colonialism or uh, the working toward assimilating our people into the European style or the Western life or trying to make a white man out of me, <laughs> how that's impacted my life. How just I hated my identity. You know, I even hated my own people too, you know, because of that, the impact of that. And even I, I felt myself pushing my family away too for me, even my parents. And so, I realize now why I was like that, but I can't change the things that I've done. And I can't change the things that have, that have happened to me that have impacted me in that way. I just grieve. I grieve over losses. You know, I grieve the way that I was with my parents. Uh, I grieve the way that I was toward my people. And so, but there's this, there's this healing that's, that has happened. And so, and that, I'm glad for the healing that's there, but I also want, to, want, want you to see the pain, the pain that was there too, and, and the pain that we've gone through as a people. Um, so, in sharing the word with you, Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord, the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. He has laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. There's something about it there that speaks of the power and the almighty, almighty God, how almighty God is, how, how he is sovereign over his creation, 
that even if the sea roars, it just doesn't, doesn't even, you know, it doesn't put any fear in him because he has power over it. And then it says, uh, <clears throat> Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols. I, I was really impacted by, by the music and you know, just all the, the instruments. You know, it's, a lot of, it's just like we're, we're worshiping the Lord. The Lord's presence is here. There's a real sense of the Lord's presence being among us. But here it talks about who can enter into his presence. You know, the one who has clean hands. The one who has a, who has a pure heart. And so that's my desire for us, is, is to enter into the presence of God. The most important thing about life is the presence of God. The presence, the presence of the Almighty. And there's something, too, connected to how Jesus lives out his humanity, that in his hum humanity he lives his life in light of the presence of the Father. And, and the Father is, is Lord over uh, his humanity. And so in our lives, the important thing is, is our relationship with God. You know, and these things connected to history are connected to our relationship with God. How we process that is connected to um, how, how we we're rela relating to the Lord. And so, so when we talk about it, keep in mind the presence of God, the presence of, of the Lord in our, in, our, in our midst here. Even, um, even the, the, the Jewish people, you know, they lived life in light of God's presence. Uh, when they were exiled, when they were walking away from, from the ruins, you know, that the temple had been destroyed, and, and their city lies in ruins. As they're walking away, uh, they, they're, they're, they're mourning. They're mourning. And it's just like the presence of the Lord has left us. You know, and how can we get back to having God present in our lives? And the idea of God present, being present in our lives too, that happening is connected to the hope of the Messiah coming. He's the one that's going to get us back into right relationship with God. And so they long for this Messiah to come. And, and their hearts are, are about that. And even when it talks about, um, in Numbers, when it talks about the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, may the Lord's face not be turned from you. May the Lord not look away from you. May he have his face towards you. And the idea of having his face towards you is connected to us walking with clean hands and with a pure heart. So, so very powerful things. Everything in life is governed by our relationship with God. God has to be in the picture. It's not just about me and what I think and how I think I should live you know, and what I think is best for me, or how I look at life. It has to be God is there, 
and I have to live life in light of my relationship with him. We are called to serve the Lord. Amen? We are called to serve the Lord. Very, very powerful thoughts. And uh, the text that I had, I've been just, you know, going, <laughs> I don't have, have a lot of time to, uh, to go over this text with you, but I, I kind of want to read it. Uh, I think it just brings everything together, all this, all this stuff that I'm talking about. I think the verse that I would connect with the passage is in John chapter 12. It's verses, um, I forgot to bring my glasses up. <laughs> I think it's verse 23. I'll, I'll try, I'll try to, to do without as best as I can. But um, it says, um, it's, I feel it's connected to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were made to bring glory to God. Our, our, just, our whole life is connected to that. We're made to bring glory to him. And the idea of creation, you know, being good, uh, when God completed it after, after six days and, and he rested on the seventh day, it's, just, it's all functioning the way it's supposed to be functioning. And, and it's beautiful. And, and the idea of it being beautiful is connected to you and me uh, serving the Lord and, and uh, just uh, doing the work that he calls us to do in keeping creation beautiful. Very, very powerful, uh, the idea of work. You guys like working? <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, that's good. I don't like working, but uh, if you, guys, uh, you guys can encourage me to, to do that. But it's, it's just like we're made to do the work of God. We're called to do his work. And this stuff that we're doing about reconciliation, it's, it's about working for God. So I'm kind of doing the work that God wants me to do in talking about this and, and us working on it together. As we come into harmony, as we come into reconciliation, there's something beautiful that happens there. And there's something beautiful for the world to see that'll draw them to Jesus Christ. And that's why we do this work. That's why, so, oh, here goes uh, John chapter 12. Now the time had come, Jesus says, now the time, I wish I could go more, read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. But Jesus says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, uh, for, for his work to be complete be completed or, you know, for him to, to, to do what God put him here to do. Not just going into heaven, but going to the cross. Because that's where God's uh, uh, plan for his life is, is taking him to. And then he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. I think this is the New Living Translation, but I'm I'm not going off here. It's just a different translation I'm saying to you. And then he says, um, hey, thanks you, brother. I hope these ones will work. Oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Okay. You know, I always felt like people listen to me more if I go like this. 
You know, it's just kind of like I look like a professor or something. You know, so thank you. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground, is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce new kernels, many new kernels, and a plentiful harvest of new life. I think Jesus is talking about a principle here, about a principle of life. That if we die to ourselves, and we, and we die to, to the purpose of God, things are going to happen through our lives for good. There's going to be a harvest there. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. Amen. Cool. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servant, my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You know, the, the word serve came out quite a bit. <laughs> I don't want to look too educated here. So. The word serve came out quite a bit as, as I was as I was doing this study, I'll connect it to salvation. That's, that's a strong word. Salvation is a strong word. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we think of salvation, a lot of times we connect it to going to heaven when we die. Amen? That's true. But I think salvation is also connected to the fact that we are brought back into where we have the capacity to bring glory to God. We're bring, so this idea here that Jesus is saying here about serving him, it's interesting too, when Jesus talks about going to heaven, it, he does say it this way, it talks about receiving him, that, that we can, it's only by through receiving Christ that we can enter into heaven. But also he says, over and over again, in as much as you have done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Enter, enter into the kingdom. There's something connected to, to work there that uh, is connected to salvation. So think of salvation as us being given the capacity to honor God, to bring glory to him. So here he says, um, my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Then he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pr pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. You know, Father, bring glory to your name. Bring glory to yourself through my life, through, through my serving you. Bring, bring glory to yourself. And so there's something in it where when we're working for God, when we're doing the things that our God wants us to do, that, you know, we're, 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 we're bringing glory to the Lord. And so it's interesting that, um, yeah, I think I've said it already, <laughs> but it's interesting that Jesus is saying, either you're following me or you're not. Either you're following me or you're not. I'm going to the cross. Are you coming with me? To follow me means for you to take up your cross too. To be willing to die for, my, for the purpose that I have for your life. 
So very powerful, the connection to, to work and to taking up our cross. And, and this is um, the, the verse that we read the passage in Philippians chapter 2. I think it's verses 6 to 10, I think. It's called the doxology. And so it talks about Christ. You know, he did not consider equality with God as something to, to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. But he took upon himself the, the form of a servant. It says in, in Philippians chapter 2, he took upon the form of a servant. Now listen to how it says it in the New Living Translation. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to, the, to God. That's what a human being is supposed to do. It's supposed to be obedient to God, to do what God calls him to do. So in these things that we talk about, when we talk about reconciliation, you know, it's, it's really about us, us honoring the Lord, honoring God, and God uh, being glorified through our lives, uh, through us uh, having um, a good relationship, you know, that we're, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and we're, doing, we're doing the work of reconciliation to, um, to, to bring glory to God and to be close to each other. Um, I pray that you would sense that as I talk about reconciliation, as, as we talk about the history, you know, of the, of the past and, you know, the impact that it's had on my people, the impact it's having on my people even today. Well, the work of reconciliation can, can help in, in bringing healing, in bringing healing to my people. But it also can help in bringing healing to white people and, and, and European people. And it's just like, it's for all of us. Doing this work is for all of us. I think it's easier for me to work on it as being the person that's been abused. It's probably harder for a person to work on it that's connected to the people that, that have abused. That have abused. But God loves us all. God loves us all the same. God loves us all the same. And, and there's something in this uh, connected to now talk about rest. I've talked about working, talked about serving. There's something in this connected to us having peace. I want you to have peace. I want to have peace. And I think peace is connected to how I process this as one who, who knows the Lord. And the way that I would, I would say it is, no matter how much uh, someone has hurt me, I feel like I've hurt God more. And God, in his mercy, has chosen to forgive me. How can I not forgive someone who has hurt me? So it's, it's just, it's about, it's learning about God. And then also, in, in the midst of where we've hurt people, I would say, in my life, um, I've been hurt quite a bit. And my hurts have caused me deep sorrow, deep pain. But I, I believe that my sins have overwhelmed me more than my hurts. 
my, my sins have caused me to come to the point where I just wanted to die. I didn't want to step out of my house. I didn't even want to see anybody because I was so ashamed of my sins. I deserve to die for my sins. But Jesus died in my place. And I think for us to really comprehend what it means for Jesus to die in our place, we have to enter into where we've hurt other people and, 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 and walk through that with God. <laughs> and as we experience the mercy of God through others, uh, we, we see, we come how a deeper, we enter into a deeper understanding of what it means for God to have mercy on us. And then we worship him, and we worship him, that he abounds in loving kindness and in mercy. And you know, um, all this stuff, you know, all, all this working through this stuff um, is connected to God coming into our lives and working in us to do his will. Uh, Ephesians talks about how we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, so that we not, no one would boast. Then it says, uh, and then it goes on to say, um, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has before ordained that we should do them. Good works, to do good things. And, and when we do good things, we bring glory to God. And we experience life. We experience peace. We experience joy. That's, that's, that's what I, I really long for for us. So when, when we talk about the, this work of God and, uh, and talk about reconciliation, you know, all of that is connected to reconciliation. All, all the, these working on things. Um, us doing this and talking about this is connected to reconciliation. And uh, you know, um, there's a passage in Corinthians that I wanted to read to you um, about reconciliation. Very, very powerful, the thoughts here about reconciliation. I'll just kind of comment on them as I go. Paul says, um, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So, you know, like the things, that are relationships, when we come to know Jesus, we process those things in light of our relationship with Jesus, in light of the fact that the Spirit of God is in us, dwelling in us. So then he says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. You know, that, that verse kind of uh, causes me to think about um, when I went to residential school, we went to church, but I, I didn't learn anything about Jesus in church. We sang, yes, Jesus loves me, but I didn't understand what I was singing about in residential school. But when we came to know Jesus, when my dad gave his heart to Jesus, and I seen the change that Jesus did in my dad, I, you know, my dad was a very violent man before he came to Jesus. But Jesus changed him. I hated him before he knew Jesus. But when Jesus changed his life, he had something there that I wanted. And that's what drew me to giving my heart to Christ. The change that I seen him do in my dad. 
And so when I understood Jesus in that way, I, I looked at life from a different point of view, uh, the point, point of view that comes from the Holy Spirit. And he says, um, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and new life has begun. That means That's talking about us having the Holy Spirit in our lives. A new life starts for us. We're going we're gonna to live, not live life our own way anymore. We're going to live it God's way, according to how the Spirit is, is, is leading us. And all this is from God, is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. All of us that know Jesus, God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Amen. And then it says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer, count, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Wow. We are Christ's ambassadors. It's just like God has given us the responsibility of representing him. When we know Jesus is our Savior, God expects us, is giving us the, the gift, <laughs> you know, the, that's humbling, that the gift of, of being a person that would represent him to others. So I want to represent him as best as I can as an indigenous person in how I relate to uh, European people or, you know, any, any people, how I relate to them. I want, I want to honor Christ in how I relate to you. And I pray that you would see him in me. And I, I, I pray that for you too. Is that your desire too? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, and then it says, uh, let me put on this things again here. Um, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Uh, that's the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, I, I talked about it a bit already. And I, I, I just kind of sense this from the word, that uh, God redeems righteousness. Amen. God redeems righteousness. If we walk in obedience to the Lord, you know, God will use that uh, for his glory. And also, too, it might mean that we're going to suffer. We're, we're going to suffer for, for the glory of God. People might not like what we're going to say in, in talking about, um, uh, you know, um, um, in talk about issues of life. People might not like, like what we're going to say. But if we're, if we're living right and we're suffering for it, God is going to use that for his glory. So I just want to encourage us to really uh, commit ourselves to the Lord and to his way in, in talking about reconciliation. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was um, in this idea of God redeeming righteousness, I was reading about it in the book of Acts, you know, where they... Uh, 
in chapter 2, I believe, at the end of the chapter, where, you know, a lot of people came to know the Lord. And it says that the people of God committed themselves to the teachings of, of the apostles, uh, to the breaking of bread, to, to gathering together uh, as God's people, and, and to, to praying, you know, doing the things that God wanted them to do. And then the part that really struck me, it says, then it says, after that it says, and God added to their, their number. And God added to their number, those that will be saved. You know, it, it seems overwhelming, the task, you know, of, of people coming to know the Lord. My wife just was crying, you know, yesterday in, in just really desiring to see a move of God to bring our people to him. I think that the part of it that, that we need to just focus on is just walking in right relationship with God and doing this work in a way that brings honor to God. And, and God will do the rest. God will do the rest. So thank you for your time. And, um, I think I'll just say a prayer and I'll ask John to come. <coughs> Lord, thank you for this time. And, just pray, Lord, for your spirit to come and to, to empower us to really live for you and even to walk through things in our lives, even in connection to the past, to walk with you through there and really seek to, to be right with you and to do what you want us to do. And make other people see that in us. And I pray that you would, you would bless that uh, by uh, uh, fruit being bared for your kingdom, uh, by relationships being restored, and even death being destroyed, and life coming, springing, new life coming, uh, even for all the people that live on this land. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.